Do things a little bit different tonight, um, but first I have a couple questions for us, okay? How many of us here actually read our Bibles? Okay. Alright, now how many of those that raise your hand actually read it regularly? Okay, not quite as many, but alright. I want you to be honest on this stuff, okay? So, do any of you that read it actually just go and read it for fun or entertainment? Alright? Say it quick right? That's how we drive this in? Yeah, yeah. So, why do you not think the Bible in that way? So, what is it that keeps us from going to the Bible for entertainment? Because if we really think about it, there is everything we want to read about in one place. You know, because we have in there, there's history, there's tragedy, right? Mystery, action, adventure, and for the ladies in the room, romance. Called 
Acts 5, 12 through 16. The apostles were performing many miracles and signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Acts 8, 4-8 reads, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds of, the crowds of one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him say and saw the signs that he did, for the unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were lame, were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Acts 9, 17 through 19 reads, So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Libya. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Acts 9, 36-42. At Joppa there was a man, there was a certain disciple named Calitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room, and since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him up to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tapha arise, and she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when she, when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed on, on the Lord. Acts 14, 8-10 In Lystra there sat a man who was slain. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. <laughs> Acts 14, 19-20 says, Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium, and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into town. The next day he left in Barnabas for Derby. Starting in verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and Aristobo shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands, 
so that even face cloths and aprons that touched Paul's skin were brought to the sick, and diseases left him, and the evil spirits came out of him. Okay, Acts 20, 7 through 12. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room uh, where we were meeting. Seated in the window was a young man named Eugelesis, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. While he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down and threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Acts 28, 1 through 9. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the, go the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time, and seeing nothing unusual happening, they chart, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hand on him and healed him. When the hand when this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were here. Thank you, guys. They did a great job, right? Yeah. Whenever we're reading out my scripture, it helps a little bit to break it up and not hear one voice the whole time. Okay. So, in that, we see 12 different miracles, right? Yeah. 12 different healings. So not even just miracles, but specifically healings. So have you ever wondered, in reading these things, what it was like to see the disciples work in the name of Jesus? Yeah. And I mean to be standing right there when they prayed, and you get to watch somebody just rise and walk. Okay? Let's try this. Will everyone um, really use your imagination? But to do that, let's close our eyes. If you, you just give me this for a minute. I I'm swear it will be fast, right? I'm not going to trick. You know, every pool's happened a few days ago. So, but let's really close our eyes and imagine this. So, picture this in your mind. You're walking and you see this person on the side of the path. You can tell that they are crippled and clearly cannot walk. You've seen this person day after day for months. Can you see it in your mind? And as you continue to watch them, two other people walk up to this person and they start to talk. You can't quite hear, so you move in a little closer. And right as you get into earshot, you hear, rise up and walk. And before your very eyes, you see this person stand up and start walking. So you're struck with this overwhelming feeling that you might not even be able to explain. Because you know these people. They're part of the community that you've been in for a while. The crippled person is the person in your first class of the day. And the two people that said rise and walk are both leaders here in Kyle. Now open your eyes. Did that bring it home just a little bit more? Right? Did you actually picture somewhere on campus that this could happen? Maybe the mall area? Yeah. Okay. The overwhelming feeling that you felt when you saw this and the healing that whenever you saw this healing. Did that want you to God? Yeah. Right? Now, is that all in wonder? So, why don't we see things like this today? Is it a lack of faith? Is it compromise? Have we compromised our spirit somehow? 
that we don't see this? Is it society that tells us these things can't happen here because in America, if we want it, it happen, right? So what would it take us, what would it take for us to see miracles here on this campus? So the 12 places that we just read about, um, the enacts the miraculous healings, that is 12, those are 12 places that I just found. I didn't do an exhaustive study on Acts to see if there was any more or anything like that. But those are the ones that we were going over because those are the, that's, those are the 12 that we're going over because those are the ones that stand out just blatantly. Yeah. Right? So in most of these verses, they're surrounded with awe and wonder. Some of them even say that this, uh, this healing happened and then there was all a wonder and everybody came to know the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. The disciples are performing these miracles in the name of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And because of this, the people in that city or area really get to see the Lord's true power and glory. Right. Right? Andrew Murray says, Divine healing is the work of the Holy Spirit. Christ's redemption extends its powerful working to the body, and the Holy Spirit is responsible both to transmit it to and maintain it in us. Y'all catch that? I'll read it one more time. Divine healing is the work of the Holy Spirit. Christ's redemption extends its powerful working to the body, and the Holy Spirit is responsible both to transmit it to and maintain it in us. So if y'all caught the story that I told you, like something similar happened in Acts. I believe it was Daisy that actually read about it. It was Acts 3, 1 through 10, where Peter and John are actually heading into the temple to go at the hour of prayer to go pray, right? They're going in, and they're walking through the gate called Beautiful, and off to the side is a lame man. And he looks up to him and asks him for money. And you all know the reason that he is asking is because he can't work. And because he can't work, he needs people's money, their charity, to survive. And if he's not doing this, then what's going to happen to him? Anybody? Yeah, he's probably going to starve and die. So it's not like he has a choice to do this. But Peter and John don't have anything, right? That's what they tell him. They look at him, and Peter says, not only do they look at him, but they both look at him in the eyes and tell him, I, my, uh, gold and silver I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. Okay? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So Peter and John don't just tell them to walk. They actually help them walk into the temple. And everybody goes wild. They're like, what is this guy doing walking? He's been laying by that gate forever. They came running up. And Peter's sharp enough that he sees that. And he starts to tell them. He's like, we didn't do this in our own power. Because they thought, the people around just thought that they went up and healed this man. But he is like, no. All the glory belongs to Jesus. And it's in he whom we must trust. So there's no doubt that Peter and John are full of faith and holiness. And actually, they might have been the most holy people of their time. Right? Like the most zealous servants of God in that day. But they knew that their holiness of life was not of themselves, but of God. And through the Holy Spirit is what gave him the power to do that. So what was it that they actually gave him? So they do give him the ability to walk, but it wasn't that's not what they gave him. He got that, but what they gave him was faith in Jesus. And we actually read about that a little bit further in that chapter. Okay. So from there we can go to one of the next stories. So Acts 5, 12 through 16, it tells us about the apostles meeting in the temple. And they're meeting in the place, some places say Solomon's portico. So it's some portion of the temple that they're actually meeting in. But nobody actually wants to go up and meet with them and talk to them because of the works that they're doing. They, even though they hold them in high esteem. Because not only are they doing these works, but through that, people in the area are being healed and more and more are believing in the Lord. Amen. So because more and more people are coming to the Lord, they're just bringing people out 
and lame in ministry so that Peter's shadow may even pass over them so that they may be healed. That's crazy to me that the Holy Spirit was on them so abundantly that even if his shadow might pass over them, that it might heal them. So we know from the previous passage that Peter is not doing anything on his own power because he says it himself. He understood that Jesus left them with the Holy Spirit. So if we keep going into some of these other stories or diving a little deeper, we see that there are people that totally miss this point. They totally miss what the Lord's trying to do and how he's trying to do it. And so we can actually read about that in Acts 19, 11 through 20. And that's the seventh, the story of the seven sons of Stephen. Is anybody familiar with that? Yeah. Right? So we read the first portion of that, the one the interns did in um, in the story. Paul's doing great miracles. And that they're actually taking his handkerchiefs and his aprons and taking them to people. And just because he abused them, people are getting healed from that. Once again, that shows the mighty power of the Lord. The Holy Spirit has been around them so much that it's going on in the clothes. And so the seven sons of Sceva see this. They're like, we're going to do what Paul's doing. And so they were, Sceva was a high priest. And so his seven sons were going out on their own accord and trying to um, trying to pass out humans and what they're doing is they're saying we cast you out in the name of Jesus of whom Paul preaches so they go and do this to one man who is possessed and the demon in him tells them oh, I know Jesus and I know Paul but who are you <laughs> and not only does he not know them but he gives these seven brothers a whooping that you couldn't believe right <laughs> Not only does he whoop them, he sends them running out of there with not a stitch of clothes on them. Right? Steals all their clothes. So one man, verse 7, and steals all their clothes. So, but what those seven brothers were missing, we as believers have been assured by Jesus that we have. So, that one thing that those seven brothers were missing, we as believers have been assured by Jesus that we have. And that's in John 14, 12. Because Jesus gives us the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And it tells us, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. So, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. So right here we're told that we are able to do miracles like this. We're able to do these things. And we actually see when Paul starts to walk with the Lord and starts to walk in these miracles that it wasn't just for those disciples that were at the day of Pentecost. Because Paul wasn't part of that. So whenever he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he starts going out and doing this as well. So when Paul, or actually it was Saul at the time, is walking to Damascus down the road with two other men, they're going to Damascus to persecute and imprison Christians. They're going to throw them in jail, and really, his heart wants to kill them. And on the way, this light just comes down upon Saul, and it's Jesus talking to him and telling him, why are you persecuting? Why are you doing this to me? And the two men that are with him can hear a voice, but they don't see anybody. So then he's blinded, and he continues to go to Damascus, and is sitting there blind. Then Jesus comes back, and in his greatness, finds a follower of him, Ananias, and tells him, hey, why don't you go and pray for Paul? And Ananias like, I don't want to pray for Paul. He's going to persecute me. He's like, I know this story is Paul. He's like, no, why don't you go and pray for him? Because he has been calling out to me. So then we continue in this. We see that he goes and he does pray for him, and something like scales fall from his eyes. But if you really dive into the story, that's not the only healing that happens. Okay? So there's two healings that happen here. The three days is a healing of Paul's heart. Right? 
So first, his heart is healed, and then he had his physical healing. So it's two parts there. And I actually think that the first one is harder. To heal a hardened heart is very hard. To do that because of bitterness and hurt, like, there can be so many things that cause that heart to be hard. And to heal a hardened heart against the Lord is super hard because of things like free will. So, that's just, that's one of those places that I'm like, wow, like without that, Paul would have never had the scales fall from his eyes. So, these things that I've been talking about, we as believers need to know still exist today. And not just, like, know about, but actually walk in regularly. So, we looked at stories in the Bible through just through acts about healings and stuff. And you may be asking, well, does that apply today? Well, Christians, there are many Christians that have had great healing ministries. And one of my greatest heroes in the faith, if you spend much time around me, you'll probably hear me talk about Smith Wilkesworth. Yeah. I love this dude. So, doesn't he even look like a boss? Like, That's a man yeah, he got that big old stash, and he just sort of me. So he uh, he actually was a plumber in England. wasn't even a preacher at first because he had a speech impediment. He couldn't say more than a few words without stuttering. And then his healing ministry started because of a healing that happened in his own life. He was actually laying on his deathbed, couldn't even go out and work as a plumber anymore to make money for him and his wife. And people from the church came in. And pray for him, and they hop up on his bed and go to pray for him. And he, he was about to tell him no, but before he could say anything, he actually was healed. He was healed so radically that he actually got up out of bed. And the doctor had just left. He actually got up out of his bed and went and answered some plumbing calls that he had that day. Okay, so it's it's pretty crazy that he did this. And in that, he also. Whenever he got filled with the Holy Spirit, his speech impediment was healed. He no longer was there. The thing about his healing ministry, it became so known, not just in Christian circles, but in the unchurched as well. People started wondering about what is going on. You know, it sort of sounds similar to what's happened in Acts, that it was pointing back to God. Because there was so much uh, focus on it that some Australian secular newspapers actually started writing stories about the healings that were coming out of his ministries. So, why is it that when we hurt and have pain and need to be healed of something, that we reach for the bottle of Tylenol or Advil or something like that first? Or go to the doctor first instead of turning to the Lord. The only way that we'll turn to the Lord is if we get really desperate. Right? So we're going to see the doctor about everything and then turn to the Lord if only if we're desperate enough. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people that don't think we need doctors or medicine or anything like that. Like, I use all that. I believe that we need doctors. I believe God has given them that gift. And I believe that God has provided medicines for us to be healed. Right? But we need to turn to God first because he is the great physician. He is the one that created these bodies. So he knows the ins and outs anyway. So we've talked about healings in the past and then healings even further back in the Bible. What about healings today? So let's bring a little closer to home with some stories from people right here in Kaiapa. So that's a couple people to actually tell us about their experience, and I want them to tell you in their own words. Okay, so my story, it was when I, it was probably the first time that I'd ever seen someone physically healed, and so what it was, I was a child. Um, I think I barely just gave my life to Jesus, hadn't gone through LTC, none of the whole, none of that, right? I didn't know what I was doing. 
um, what I was doing was leaping at the altar. And um, we were at the old, the old church first AG, and I was down there and I was praying for whatever it was that the Lord was asking me to pray for that night, right? Just there to be myself. And then whoever it was that was preaching was like, hi, I have a word. Who believes that the Lord can heal people? And of course, my hand like shot up. Like I just gave my life to Jesus, but I knew, I knew that He did. Because the first time that I ever met my small group leader, I um, stumbled into her room. I got into a car with a stranger. I ended up in a small group. I had no idea what it was. Um, but what happened was that night she told me her testimony, and she had this crazy dance injury where the arches of her feet would dislocate and pop out. You could see the arches of her feet outside of her feet. And she couldn't walk for days. And this happened often. And so she told me about it. She's like, oh yeah. And then my small group leader prayed for them and she felt my bone shift and then I never had it happen again. And I was like, what? <laughs> and this is all before I knew who Jesus was. So that night when I'm at the altar, I've been there for not that reason. Um, but then he asked, who believes in healing? I was like, well, shoot, that happened to Lindsay. I believe in it. And he said, okay, now um, who needs healing? And then all the hands shot up. He said, cool, if you raised your hand that you believe in healing, you will go pray for someone. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just gave my life to Jesus. Just gave my life to Jesus. And so I went over to this girl that I had no idea who she was. And there was this man there. He was like, he was a company leader, right? His name was like John Rodriguez. And, and he was there. I knew he was a man of God. And I just looked at him like, you don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and he's like, okay, so we're going to pray. We're going to expect to put your hands on her. And I was like, cool. And so we did. And after what seemed like an eternity, because I was just like, Lord, I know you're going to do it. Please, Jesus, but I don't know what to pray. Right? He, go, he looks us all in the face and was like, I knew it was direction from the Holy Spirit that he was getting. He said, what we're going to do is we're going to put our hands on your knees. And so we all crouched. We put our hands on this girl's knees. Granted, she didn't tell us what needed what needed healing. So I was like, I don't know. I've never seen this before. How does he know it's her knees? Is this a common thing? But what was incredible is after a few minutes, he pulled away and he looked at her and he said, Can you bend your knees? And so she bent her knees and immediately wept. I was like, What is happening? And he goes, Can you can you do it like this? Can you can you do your legs like this? Pick them up. And she's doing it and just weeping. And then he looks at her and was like, was it your knees? What happened? And she was like, growing up, my parents threw me down the stairs a lot. They were physically abusive. I was thrown down the stairs all the time as a kid and I messed my knees up. And she was wearing a knee brace on one of her knees. But she's like, I only have one knee brace because I can only afford one. It's actually both of them. And, she, and we were not praying for the one with the, with the brace on it. And he, John was like, can you actually do me a favor? Can you run? up the stairs, across the balcony, down, and then come back. Y'all, this church is big. If you've never been there, it's big. <laughs> and so she did. She ran up, across, back. She came down with, like, it was like her whole countenance, her whole face changed. It was incredible. She's like, I haven't been able to walk up stairs without pain since I was four years old. Isn't that incredible? And it's like, I'm sitting here, Lord, I have no idea what I was doing. But Jesus, you saw her. Like, he saw this girl, and he knew that this was such a big deal in her life. And he did something. He touched her, and he gave instructions to the people that loved him of how to help his children. Spirit. 
And so I go up and talk with my amazing company, Lulu Sam. <laughs> and we start praying, and he says, look, I feel like the Lord's just like showing me that there's something blocking me, blocking me, like holding me back right now. What's going on? Um, so I opened up to him. He was the first person I told about it. It's been going on for a while, and I just kept it to myself. Uh, and then he called over Matt, my amazing small group one day. And we stood there and just prayed for what felt like forever. And my legs were hurting at the end of it. Uh, and afterwards, I just felt that something was different. I didn't notice anything immediately. But a few days later, I realized I hadn't had any headaches since that day. My vision hadn't got any worse. And it's actually slowly started to heal over time. Sure, sounds great. So she laid hands on me, she prayed over me, and she prayed. 
prayed over specific things that I had been battling in the mind, and what I had realized was that the peace of God came over me. And growing up, I had felt his presence, but never his peace. And so the peace of God came over me, and I just, I just lost it on the, on the, on the inside. And I was like, wow, okay, I can breathe again. Thank you, Jesus. And she started praying for physical healing. And mind you, growing up in church, I had seen people being healed, but I didn't know that was for me specifically. And so she prayed over me, and I felt these pinches up and down my spine. And I was like, well, that's kind of normal. It's whatever. She finished her prayer, um, and she's like, well, how do you feel? And I told her how I felt peace, and I could just breathe again. Like, mental clarity was there. I could, it's like my heart was just happy and joyful for the first time in a long time. And she's like, well, how do you feel physically? And I'm like, well, I don't know. So I just start walking around, and I realize all the nerve damage in my legs were completely gone. And I, I'm like, this is insane. The smaller issue is, like, healed. The bigger issue's got to be taken care of. And so I start walking around and all these things. She's like, well, what's something that you weren't able to do when, you know, before since you were in the wreck? And I said, well, I can't touch my toes. I can't do side to side. I can't lift my leg up to 90 degrees. And on that night, yes, I gave my life to Jesus. He encountered me, but he also healed me physically because I could do all those things yeah. over two years later. I graduated, right? And every time I think about that night, I'm like, Lord, where would I be if you didn't heal me? And that's that's such like a humbling question sometimes because I don't know where I would be if I wasn't healed. I don't know where I would be if I didn't ask the Lord to encounter me. I don't know where I would be if the Lord didn't meet me in my desperation, but I had to be willing. And so I immediately got plugged in a small group because I had that encounter. They celebrated that healing in small group, got plugged in, and later on as a student, the Lord called me in the ministry. He called me in the missions later on in my life, and I grew my relationship with Jesus, and here I am right now on staff. So, anyway.
as you're sitting here, seeking really just be pressing into the Lord, as there there are people that are here that might not necessarily um, totally understand what's going on or believe in um, seeing things like that. Um, but just know that it's real, and be praying for uh, for this in um, not only in the spirit, but be praying for one another. Be praying for God to be opening your heart and mind. Um, there's also another person that has uh, a hip issue, the the right hip area, right here, just tension or. Um, painful, whatever it is, also on the right leg, like the heel, there's there's an issue there. Somewhere over in this area, there's some kind of heart issue, some kind of deep internal thing, struggle, I don't know who that is here, but I'm feeling it very heavily in this area right here that this is whatever this is going on, just know that God is telling me this because he wants to heal me of this or wants to heal that wound, whatever it may be. And if the Lord is telling you something, if he's giving you a word for somebody, press in, find out who it is, and go and tell them that. Go and pray with them. But right now, as Shay is playing, let's just get on our faces before the Lord and really seek after him. Right now, but it's something that 
is frequently going on. Who is that? Doesn't want to come up. 
because of, um, actually, I don't even know the reason, just being a dude, but of, like, pain right under the right shoulder blade, like, almost at the point of the right shoulder blade, that there is just this, like, stabbing pain. But the funny thing is that because you're wanting to be a dude and not, like, show that you see this or see pain, that um, you're not going to be healed unless you, like, step out in faith and get prayer for it. Okay? The Lord wants to heal you, but you have to step out in faith and go up to somebody and ask them to pray for you for this.
kind of get the feeling that there's somebody in this room. This is another one of those sensitive ones, so I'm just going to give it to you like it is. But uh, kind of get the feeling that there's somebody in this room that uh, is blaming themselves for their parents' divorce. Uh, and you're bitter towards God, you're bitter towards your family, towards your parents. Uh, yeah, it, God wants to God wants to do something about that. So uh, I just feel like, just so the whole room doesn't even know that that's you or anything, but uh, it's keeping you back from God. Uh, go find your company leader. Go find your small company leader and, and just seek the Lord on the seat. He doesn't want you to be in that. This is not something that stops here. Like, this isn't just for high office services, church services like that, right? or something like that, that you actually need to take this out with us. And as Christians, we need to be working with this more abundantly and taking it. Because remember, all of them, Paul and Peter and John, they didn't just heal in the temple. They were healing out on the roads and in the streets. And remember, their handkerchiefs and aprons were going out because the Holy Spirit on them was going out into these other places. And as people finish praying, we're going to uh, sing one last song, and then uh, we'll close out the prayer. We didn't know to call on you. We didn't know who to call until we heard. And then we heard what you could do, and God, you showed up. And you healed our hearts and our bodies. And God, we praise your name. Um, while we were praying, uh, my friend Max over here got a word saying, there's someone in this room whom God was speaking to, only you weren't important enough to waste our time. You saw important people, and you saw you were sure there's other people who needed prayer before you and you didn't want to get in the way and the Holy Spirit told him to tell you that that's not true that you are also worthy of God you were worthy of God's love and it would be a tragedy for you to walk out tonight thinking that you're too small and that God is too important and that everyone else around you is more valuable to God than you are and if that's you he's over here right here Standing right in the corner, and you need to come pray. Not because you need to come talk to Max, but because you need to receive from God. Um, the other thing is there. There's probably some people in the room right now that you're mad. You're you're mad at us right now because we we interacted with God, and that made you a little uncomfortable. And we've been doing this for a while. And you're like, can we go home? Shame on you. People are getting healed. God is rescuing people. Hearts are softening and the spirit is moving and your video games are waves. And, and we're about to leave this building right now and God's going to still be with you. There's nothing magical about this room and speakers. So we're not done. Now, our use of this room is ending. And we're going to scatter, and y'all are going to break up into groups somehow, and we're going to go kick balls into each other's faces somehow, and we're going to mess around and have fun. But the Holy Spirit is still capable of moving, and there's possibly someone in this room that God is waiting to move until you get outside of what you consider to be religious. And into a place where it's just you, and where you can feel comfortable and be vulnerable, and there's going to be someone next to you who you don't feel like trusting, but the Holy Spirit's going to ask you, and it's going to, it's not going to, it'll actually be scarier than this spot right here. Because it'll be really vulnerable, and it'll be really alive, and again, it would be a tragedy if we missed that moment where the Holy Spirit could change your life forever. And I'm expectant that God did not just come for the few, but He came for the all. He didn't come to heal my heart, He came to heal our hearts, and to put us back together. There might be heaven on earth. And intimacy and joy and laughter would, would just flow through this room. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to kick us out. And then the Holy Spirit's going to do more stuff. Because he doesn't stop. He's been doing this for 2,000 years. Jesus, thank you for what you've already done tonight.
Thank you for the hearts that you've already spoken to. Thank you for the bodies that you've already touched. Thank you for the chains that you've already broken. Thank you for the light and the wonder that you have restored into our soul. And God, thank you for giving us a break from our addictions. That we might actually look onto something that is true and eternally satisfying and remind ourselves that the things of this world grow dim when we're in the presence of you. God, we, we offer our hearts. And would you do with our body and soul as you would like. And Holy Spirit, would you fill my brothers and sisters with your presence that they might be the living temple. That when we walk out of this room, we're no farther away from the Holy Spirit because you have filled us. We are your hands and we are your feet and we are your vessels. And I never have more fun than when I'm being used by God. When I can feel the Holy Spirit partnering with me. And it's no longer my words, but your words coming out of my being. And it's no longer my will, but your will being done. And seeing people change. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. You may pray. Amen. Y'all have a good night. Go play.